Do you ever feel lethargic? You feel like something's missing. You just go through the motions, but those motions never seem like they lead you anywhere. They don't seem fulfilling, like they lack true purpose. This podcast will help you gain your bearings and knock off the rust. This is episode 96 of the Men of Iron podcast, and my name is Chad Zook, your host. Welcome to the show. Gentlemen, I am super stoked to tell you about the Iron Sharpens Iron Dinner in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, featuring keynote speaker Tony Dungy. You were invited to this night of celebrating God's transforming work over the 15 years that Men of Iron have existed and just celebrating the impact of the lives on the men while they're pursuing God and their purpose. You are invited to this event. You can go to the show notes for a link to this. You can also go to menofiron.org to find a link to purchase your tickets. If you get tickets now through the end of December, you can get them at a discounted price. After that, the prices will go up. As of right now, the tickets are $125 a seat. You don't want to miss this opportunity to celebrate and hear from one of the most impactful men of our time, Coach Tony Dungy. So over the last couple of weeks, I've been doing some home improvement projects. I've been negligent on doing some honeydews, which requires some painting. But before I did the painting, I actually started in my shed and I had to free it from some unwanted critter that had taken up residence and had gotten very, very comfortable. It was disgusting work, honestly. Then I moved inside the house and I painted one room and now I'm inside the living room. One of the things that's really strange about my house that I live in currently is this, and it's a real head-scratcher for me. Every, and I mean every, outlet is wired upside down. Every one. So all throughout the house, every single outlet is wired upside down. So every time I go to paint a room, it is an opportunity for, for me to right those wrongs, and because I'm the resident painter, it's my problem. I'm an amateur in the world of electricity. I remember my first experience with electricity was when I stuck a piece of metal into an outlet at my dad's work. Did I mention my dad worked at the police station at the time? Yeah, good times. There were sparks. I got shocked. It was a, it was a real, real big deal. At least it was for them. Um, but I was too young to really care. But I realized something about electricity. It's not a real big fan of me. I like to use it, but it does not like me. So now, because of that and some other trauma with electricity, <laughs> I've fumbled through the rewiring of these outlets like uh, something like a televangelist would fumble around the truth. You can put that where it needs to be. Each wire must be reformed and bent to connect with the new receptacle. Wires honestly will never be straight again. And because of these particular wires, I can't just do it the easy way and I can't do it with the outlet and just... Uh, I have to literally bend the pigtails and I have to turn them over the screws on every single one of these. There's no easy way to do it. But here's the thing. No matter how much time and effort, the wires will be forever bent by the forces that previously acted upon it. Over the years, I've witnessed a strange correlation with this. Every person has been twisted and deformed by sin. You may call it iniquity. You may call it just being a bad person. Whatever you call it, it's sin. But here's the thing. Many people try to straighten themselves out without God's help. Though they may be genuine and resolved in their attempts, this just never works. It never works in the long term. It actually leads to more frustration because they, were, they will be forever bent by the forces of sin while they're here on earth. This is not going to be an overly theological 
uh, podcast, but I have to go here before we transition to ultimately what I'm going to get to. You see, the flesh and spirit are at war for the Christian's hope, peace, and future, in purpose, ultimately, for your energy, for your passions, for your love. From soul to soil, we've been tainted by sin. The forces of sin's nature frustratingly render us self-willed, they, they render our self-willed attempts at freedom just beaten down and still missing the mark, which is what sin means. But we know if you're in Christ that there's grace for those who are struggling with sin's grip and the fleshly struggle that we all deal with. And even the best of them outside of Jesus, even the best of them all throughout the Bible still had a flesh that they had to battle with and submit the flesh to the Spirit. But there's grace. Grace is a reminder that we are not as we should be, and yet grace gives us the call to change. And at just the right time, grace provides us with the power to actually change. The heart of a Christian must resist attempts at straightening ourselves out, and we need to surrender ourselves to the Spirit so that He can reform us more into His likeness. Rest easy in this truth. And here's a a brilliant quote from Jerry Bridges. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you're beyond the need of God's grace. Such a powerful thing. Talking about your best days and your worst days. One of the ways that, that Christians particularly have kind of dealt with this challenge of Uh, just being more like Christ and growing in our faith and all of these types of things. One of the ways that that Christians have kind of like succumbed to to passivity is this, by saying this, well, I just need to let go and let God. Wow, that's a beautiful sentiment. I get it. You just want to let go and like maybe you're struggling with control. I'm just going to let God do this. And it sounds, it's so, so, so holy, so righteous, so lofty, but it's also irresponsible. It's it's a beautiful sentiment, no doubt, but it's irresponsible. Here's the reason why. God has given each of us agency, power, and drive to manage for the glory of God and the good of the world. I'll say it again. God has given us agency, power, and drive to manage for the glory of God and the good of the world. So while we may think, oh, let go and let God, that just sounds, again, so righteous and so holy, like there's angels flying off of you when you say it. It's just being irresponsible. It's just being lazy and complacent. That's what it is. And because it's it's a, a stage of passivity, it also leads to complacency. You see, when people hear this, sometimes they think, well, I'm in God's way, so I just need to get out of the way. Again, so we don't know what to do. We just say, well, I'm in God's way. I just need to get out of the way and let God do what God wants to do while we just sit passively waiting for God to do whatever it is that God's going to do, and maybe he'll invite us into it. Again, what this what this means, this misspent and misused phrase, let go and let God, and misunderstood phrase, it, it, it challenges really the idea of trusting God, because trusting God has never meant do nothing. Trusting God has never meant do nothing. If you follow this line of thinking, this leads to the thought that the best possible approach to living the Christian life is just to do nothing and assume that every effort on our part will ultimately just lead to failure and and that every effort on our part just gets in the way of what God wants to do in the world. This ultimately leads to a fatalistic view of life where we just tend to give up and we just get frustrated. We become passive and complacent, lethargic, and we just 
give up and we just say, okay, I just, I did it. I let go and let God, but see where it led me. And then for other people, they, they try to let go and let God in the faulty way that I'm talking about. And ultimately they just land on another, you know, unbiblical way of living. And it's, it's a phrase that we've heard for centuries now. It's eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. In other words, it's saying, hey, I let go and let God. It really didn't work the way that I wanted it to. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to party. I'm just going to eat. I don't care what I do. I'm just going to party until I die. I'm just going to celebrate and I'm just going to I'm just going to live for pleasure's sake alone. But living for pleasure's sake alone is not a biblical way of living. It's just simply not. Pleasure is is a gift. It's a gift from God. So for us to be able to have a, a nice drink with some friends or, or a glass of wine with our wives or, or to have coffee. I love, I'm a connoisseur of coffee. To have coffee, man, that's a gift from God. To be able to sit down and had a great meal with some friends last night in an Italian restaurant. It was just, it was an amazing time. All of that is, is a gift and all of that is a gift of pleasure. But that pleasure is not to get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. God never calls you to passivity in the Christian life as a result of being saved. I could give you a bunch of other examples, but I just want to share one passage of Scripture, and then I want to lead us into a better way of actually seeing growth. And the passage I want to share with you is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And this is what it says. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that this is not of yourselves, or not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So this is a great truth. It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and God gives us faith. We we surrender to Him, and all of those types of things. This isn't. This didn't originate in ourselves. That's what the passage says. It didn't originate in ourselves. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that must be received. Verse nine says it's not by works. In other words, it's not by something that we've done. We haven't earned it. We haven't. We haven't worked for it. In, in what's interesting, it says, not by works so that no man can boast. In other words, so that I can't go through and say, well, you know what? Yeah, my life turned out awesome because it was all about me. I mean, in my, my life, yeah, I, I did all these things and it produced all these things. I can just live forever patting myself on the back. I can eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die, but for, for, for today we're going to party and I deserve a party. That's just, again, that's not right. It's not by works. Salvation is not by works so that no man can boast. But the reason why I shared the first two verses is so I can get to the last one. This is what it says. Ephesians 2.10 For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, we actually are not just letting go and letting God. We need to do uh, something that's better and this better alternative. It comes by way of J.I. Packer, the great author and theologian. He said this, a better alternative from his book, In Step of the Spirit, is this, trust God and get going. Trust God and get going. So, so going back to the passage, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, trust God and get going because God created, He created in you, uh, it was Christ in you, but He's also created you to do these good works. So get going doing those works. 
I want to read a little bit of a lengthy excerpt from that book, J.I. Packer's book, In Step of the Spirit, and this is what it says. Souls that cultivate passivity do not thrive, but waste away. The Christian's motto should not be, let go and let God, but, but trust God and get going. So if, for instance, you're fighting a bad habit, work out before God a strategy for ensuring that you will not fall victim to it again, and ask Him to bless your plan, and go out in His strength, ready to say, no, next time the temptation comes. Or if you're seeking to form a good habit, work out a strategy in the same way. Ask God's help and try your hardest. Trust God and get going. Some other people may, they hear this and they're like, yeah, I, I man, I, it sounds, it sounds so good. And then, and then maybe we don't implement any sort of strategy or plan, but we just say these types of things or we just like live into these types of phrases and we just say, well, I hope everything will turn out okay. I hope my kids are going to turn out okay. I, I, I hope, you know, I hope my marriage turns out okay. I hope, I hope I'm healthy when I'm 65. I hope I have a job next year. Well, I hope I have friends. I, you know, I hope when somebody, I hope when I die that somebody's going to be able to stand up, uh, you know, at my funeral and say nice things about me without lying. Like, I hope everything's going to turn out okay. The problem with that is hope is not a strategy. Hope is good and true, but things in life need our attention and they need action. That's also what Packer was getting at. He's saying, so so if we're going to trust God and get going, that we need a strategy to fight bad habits, and we also need a strategy to form good habits. And he said it in the most simplistic way. He says, work out a strategy in the same way. Ask for God's help, and then try your hardest. That's not passive at all. That is very active. That's, active. that's rigorous. That's you using your, your power, your agency, and your abilities and your gifts to become the man that you're supposed to be. So I'm going to land on this question, and I'm going to give you a couple of ideas to think about as you are going into 2022. If you were going to make some improvements in your life in 2022, what would they be? If you were going to make some improvements in your life in 2022, what would they be? What would they be? Sit on that. Not just sit on that in the space of this podcast. Sit on that over the next couple weeks before 2022 hits and ask yourself that question. If I were going to make some improvements in my life in 2022, what would they be? And I'm going to give you three ideas, big ideas, for you to maybe you want to form a good habit, maybe break a bad habit, and we could get all into the habit habit stacking and habit forming and all the great stuff from uh, whether it's atomic habits or high performing or high performance habits or you know all the other books and all I've I've read many of them they're great but I'm not going to get into all that today but I'm going to give you into these three different concepts for you to be able to answer give a good answer um, to the question so the first thing is this it's vision so if you're going to make some improvements in in your life in 2022. It's going to take vision. So if you decide what it is that you're going to do, it's going to take vision. So I would say this, create a vision of the man that you want to be. 
of the husband that you want to be, the dad that you want to be, the friend that you want to be, the, the worker that you want to be, the leader that you want to be, the, the entrepreneur that you want to be, the mentor that you want to be, the protege that you want to be. Second, after vision, you have to ask yourself, okay, how do I intend to make myself better and those around me better by making this vision come to reality. So there goes your intentions. You have to ask this question. How do I intend to make myself better and those around me better by making this vision come to reality? In other words, the vision should be bigger than you. There should be a far-reaching aspect of this. If we're going to be leaning into the truth of what God has called us to do, sure, some of these good works, I think, that Christ Jesus is creating us to do, created in us to do are good works within ourselves, but they're absolutely good works outside of ourselves, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're actually walking into our destiny. Ask yourself that question. What do I intend to make, or how do I intend to make myself better and those around me better by making this vision come to reality? The third is this is the means. So vision, intention, means. The means is this. What or who do I have at my disposal to help this vision become reality? So what tools do I currently have to make this vision reality? What tools do I need to help make this vision a reality? What what person do I need to talk to to help me have this vision become reality? What plan do I need to make to make this vision reality? What habits do I need to make this vision a reality? What bad habits do I need to break to make this vision a reality? So if you're going to make some improvements in your life in 2022, what will they be? Perhaps you could think through that vision, intention, means. You could create a vision of the man you want to become. You could ask yourself, how do I intend to make myself better and those around me better when this vision becomes reality? Third, who or what do I have at my disposal to help this vision become reality? As we know, life is short. And because life is short, that we have these, these times of urgency. And sometimes it's artificial urgency, and that's, that's fine. We can put little bit of a, a quick deadlines on ourselves to help speed up some momentum and increase willpower? Absolutely. But what we do know is this, time is limited, and at times we don't just need to be motivated artificially, we just need to be motivated by a vision. And maybe the very fact, uh, the, the very reason why, rather, that you are a little rusty and a little lethargic is because you don't have a vision. I want to help you have a vision for 2020. To and beyond. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be stepping away from the microphone, and our president, Garrett Barbush, will be dropping in. So I personally will be seeing you and hearing from you after the new year. And until we can meet again, I want you to rest in this truth. We at Men of Iron are changing culture one man at a time, and that man is you. you.